in verse 17, and we'll read through chapter 5, verse 5. 1 John 4, verse 17. It reads, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God comes, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. And uh, again, Lord, we thank you for the reminder that your word, it's alive, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, God. So we just pray this morning, Lord, that uh, we would want to hear from your word, Lord. We'd want to hear from you, God. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief, Lord. And God, we just pray that we'd have the humility, whatever your word reveals to us about ourselves this morning, Lord, this afternoon, that we would be quick to obey, Lord. We'd be quick to repent. We'd be quick to rearrange what needs to be arranged, God. Reassign the things that need to be reassigned in their proper place and proper order, Lord. God, again, strengthen us for these last days that we're living in, Lord. That we'd be those servants that you find doing, find about your business, God. And Lord, we just pray for our friends, our family, our loved ones, Lord. Uh, Lord, rejoicing with those who rejoice, Lord, new marriages, new babies, Lord, new pregnancies, God. We just pray that you'd be encouraging them and be with them, Lord. And God, we pray for those going through difficult seasons, Lord. Those who are uh, dealing with struggles in their marriage, Lord, or struggles in their health, God. Uh, unmet expectations with health or work or other people they trusted in, God. We just pray this morning, Lord, we intercede for them, God. Can cry out for uh, my friend, Lord, his baby in the ICU, Lord. Pray that you'd be with them, Lord, that you would be healing that little one, God. And uh, Lord, again, may you just be with us, fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning, God. And all the churches, Lord, all across the world this Sunday morning, gathering together to hear from you, God. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we've gone through 1 John, we've seen this common theme, right? These three things about our love for God, our love for one another, and our obedience to God's commands. And you see it one after the other after the other. Wash, rinse, and repeat. If we have a true love for God, we're going to obey His commandments, and we're going to love one another. We can only love one another if we love God. The way we love one another, it's by obeying God and obeying His commands. And we see those three things over and over and over again. 
And for some of us, right, some of us were very much punch list oriented, right? Someone tells us you need these things before you can move on to the next thing. And we just cross out that list and we're ready for what's next. But that can creep into our relationship with God where we think, okay, Zach, you're telling me I have to love God's people, that that means I'm a Christian, so I'm going to start loving God's people so I can earn my salvation. Or I'm going to start obeying God's word more so I can earn my salvation. And we always have to be reminded in the simplicity of the good news of Jesus Christ. What's the simplicity of it? It's by faith alone and by grace alone in Christ alone. That's the only way we're saved. It is only by faith It's only by faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what the Bible says about him. It's only by grace we have never deserved it, nor will we ever deserve it. It's only by his grace, his kindness and mercy, and it's in Jesus Christ and him alone. There's nothing else that leads us to salvation. There's nothing else that frees us from hell for all of eternity except for the blood of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And we have to be careful more and more. Every day that I'm living is new doctrines, new ideas, new $10 books out there that are trying to add on to the simplicity of the gospel. And even here in these first two verses, John once again gives us the simplicity of the good news. He tells us whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot Who be God, if you're really born again, it's God himself, also loves him who is begotten of him. Again, the same theme throughout 1 John. If you're really saved, if you're really born again, you're going to love God. You're going to be grateful for what he's done for you. And then you're going to love all the other people that love God and are grateful for what he's done for them. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. How can we demonstrate that we, we really love the other brothers and sisters around us? When we Love God and keep his commandments. Again, none of us, none of our relationships with Christ are in a vacuum. That I could just live in sin and it's not going to affect everyone around me. If I really love you guys, if you guys really love me, if you guys really love one another, you're going to grow and mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The same is true for the marriages here. For the kids here, if you really love your parents, if you really love your spouse, if you really love your kids, you're going to do your best to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. But we're going to come back to verse 1 and we're going to break this down, right? It all starts off with what? Whoever, right? Whomsoever, that's anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. And that word believe, like we we throw it around all the time. Sometimes people say, hey, are you saved? And you just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, right? You just throw that statement out there so nobody can judge you or ask you any more questions about your relationship in Christ, right? What does that word believe really mean? It reminded me we used to be able to go to Israel once a year or once every two years, visit the Holy Land and all the sites, and you have different tour guides. Sometimes they're great tour guides. Sometimes they're not so great tour guides. But I remember one year we got this guy who was from Russia. He, was really, he really grew up in a communist sort of mentality and idea, so it was interesting. You have this guy with a bunch of Cubans and a bunch of Floridians, right, in a bus locked in with each other, right? And we're talking about all the great stuff people talk about, right, at Thanksgiving and things like that. And all of a sudden he just says, I don't believe in guns, right? He's talking with 55 Floridians, right, and he says, I don't believe in guns. And all of a sudden, one of the guys in the back, like, slowly raises his hand, and he goes, do you not believe that they exist? 
right? And then just every, everybody started laughing, and the conversation just ended right then and there, right? And I don't think there's anyone, even today, that would say Jesus did not exist. I think there's so much historical information that we know Jesus existed, but to be saved does not simply mean that you're saying, I believe that he exists. It's not just an empty belief that we just throw up in the air into outer space saying, yeah, I believe, right? Sometimes you just have a balloon and you just let it go and you don't really care where it goes. You're not thinking about where it's going to land or the bird that's going to try to eat it and choke and die on it, right? You're not thinking about anything like that. And sometimes when we just yell out, I believe in Jesus Christ, we're just saying that into thin air and it means nothing. What does that word belief really mean? It's whoever trusts that Jesus is the Christ. That word belief, it's a conviction full of joyful trust. You are convinced, you have conviction in your heart, and that leads to joyful trust in Jesus Christ and in his word. It's conjoined with obedience to Christ. Because if you really believe what God's word says in the love God has for us, in the love Jesus has for us, in his goodness, his mercy, his perfection, you can't help but want to obey him. Belief is to put one's confidence in someone, to put one's trust in someone. Simply put, it's having the state of mind that we are certain that what Jesus believes and what Jesus says is true. And if that's what your belief in Jesus Christ is, man, you're saved. If you're here and you're saying, man, I believe, I am certain that whatever Jesus believes and whatever Jesus says through his word, I am certain that it is true. Then, man, you have belief in Jesus Christ. You're born again. Right, ladies, imagine your boyfriend, your fiance, your husband stops and says, hey, cutie. And grabs a blindfold and says, hey, put this on. I want to take you out on a special day today, right? Maybe right now you're ooing and aahing in your mind, right? Maybe you're saying, he's never done that to me in 30 years, right? Whatever the case may be, right? Your belief in him. Your belief and trust in what he says is going to dictate your obedience and your submission to him on that special day. On that special date. Depending on how much you trust him or don't trust him, depends on if you're going to put the blindfold on or take it off or be looking at your GPS and seeing what in the world you're doing, right? Now, ladies, imagine you're at the grocery store and a stranger comes up to you and says, Hey, cutie, put this blindfold on. I want to take you out on a special day, right? Your obedience and submission to them is completely dependent on your belief in him and your trust in him. If a stranger ever tells that to you, dial 911, run away, right? Grab the local authorities. But it's dependent on your belief and trust in that person. And your true belief, your true trust in them is going to dictate how do you obey them and how do you submit to them. That's what it's all linked to. Many people, they say that they believe in Jesus Christ. You could just write down James chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. James says, you believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you, not, but do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Again, James is saying, hey, you have good theology. You believe Jesus is real. You believe in God. You believe there's one God. You do great. Even the demons believe that. But if you're not obedient to him, if your life does not show submission to God's word, you're no different and your belief is no different than what the demons believe about Jesus Christ, about what the demons believe in God, 
Again, our obedience and submission to Jesus Christ and to what the Bible asks of us is a demonstration of our true belief in him. Can't just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. No, there needs to be works attached to that belief. And then now what are we believing in? The term that John puts here in verse 1 is that he is the Christ. Believing he's the Christ, that's his title. Again, that's not his last name. The word Christ in the Greek is literally the anointed one, the savior of the world. It's saying that we believe that Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's the son of God. He is the only way to heaven. And again, if we really believe this, our choices and our actions in life are going to demonstrate who we truly believe in, who we really trust in. Again, and notice here, John did not say, believe that Jesus is a Christ. Jesus is one of the Messiahs. Jesus is one of our saviors. No, he says, believes that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's no other religion. There's no other way which man can be saved. It's through Christ and Christ alone. All right, then John continues, and he tells us, everyone who loves him who begot, right? We're going to love God if we're really born again. And then we're going to love those around us. We're going to love him and then love those around us. And we love those around us. We love him when we're obedient to his word. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, if you're there in chapter 5, it's right to the left if you would. And in 1 John 4, verse 20 and 21, right again, here, here he says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Again, we cannot love and believe in God and then have a hatred towards other Christians. I mentioned in the 9, I'll mention in the 11. I hope none of you are coming to the 11 o'clock service because you hate someone at the 9 o'clock service, right? I can't see them again, so I'm going to start coming to the 11 o'clock. I hope you didn't start coming to Calvary Chapel, Miami because you hated someone at your old church because we're going to be just as bad or if not worse than your old church, right, and whatever they did. We're, we're sinners too. And if there's hatred in our heart towards another believer, your walk, your relationship with Christ is off. It's broken. It cannot be. I'm not saying it. First John is saying it. You are a liar. That person that says, I believe in God, but their life doesn't show that they really believe it. And then how do we demonstrate that love towards one another? It's by being obedient to God's commands. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus puts it super simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. It can't get any more simple than that. If you're here and you say you truly love Jesus Christ, You're going to keep his commands. You're going to be obedient to his word. That word keep, it's literally to guard. You think of soldiers guarding a fortress. That's what we should be doing with God's commandments. We should be guarding his commandments. We should be obedient to them. And we should be guarding it saying, yes, this is the truth. This is the truth. We go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. A couple pages to your left there. First John 1, verse 6 and 7. It tells us, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, 
Again, John puts it simple here once again. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again, it's not enough that we just say, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, but then I'm going to cherry pick the rest of scripture and I'm going to say, ah, that doesn't really mean what it says there, right? No, we have to walk in the light. We cannot love God and believe in God and yet disobey what the Bible tells us. We need to keep, we need to guard his commandments. If we want fellowship with God, if we want fellowship with our brothers and sisters, then we need to walk in the light. We have to be so careful of this. Sometimes we want to cherry pick. Yeah, I don't want to go to hell for all of eternity. So I'm going to take that Jesus, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the only way to heaven. I'm going to take that, I'm going to own that. But come on, come on, Zach, come on, Bible. It's 2021. That whole idea on gender, that's old news, right? Don't you know where we're at today? That whole idea on marriage, don't you know where we're at today? That whole idea on uh, parenting and family and the world around us, don't you know where we're at today? No, we need to walk in the light. We need to be obedient to God's word. We can't just cherry pick and say, yeah, I want the insurance, but I don't want any of the obedience. It doesn't work that way. Our love and belief for God is demonstrated in our actions. It's not demonstrated in our emotions. It's not demonstrated how we act on Sunday morning. It's demonstrated in our actions because actions express our priorities. Is being obedient to God anywhere in your list of priorities? Or is that like all the way in the back, right? You don't even care about that. All you care about is that you're saved and you just tell others, man, I believe in God. I believe in God, right? I have belief in God. And throughout 1 John, we've seen how we need to love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. We need to love God. And a lot of us, the first couple of Sundays, we were super convicted because maybe we had a loved one, a family member, a friend, another believer said, if you really love me, you wouldn't do X, Y, or Z. But that's why we need to get our definition of love from God's word. What's the world's definition of love? You have to do everything I say. You have to agree with everything I agree with. And you have to champion everything that I agree with. And if you don't do that, you hate me. Right? That's, that's this world's definition of love. But that's not what God's definition of love is. James Montgomery Boyce, he says, Christians frequently attempt to turn love for God into a mushy emotional experience. But John does not allow this in his epistle. Over and over again, he says, if you do this and you say this, you're a liar. If you do this and you say this, you're a liar. It's just very simple, very simply put. Verse 3, for this, the love of God, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Right? Has anyone ever accused God or accused the Bible of being too much to bear? It's just too hard to be obedient to. This is just too heavy. You're disobeying God because God's word here says that if we really have the love of God, we're going to keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. They're not too much to bear. No one is brought under the weight of God's commands and just laying there on the floor helpless and immovable because it's just too much to bear. Again, God gives us these commandments because he loves us. That's why God gives us the, these commandments. He genuinely loves us. 
Just as a parent that truly loves their child gives them commandments. Why do I tell them, hey, you got to look both ways before you cross the street? You have to hold my hand before you cross the street? Because I love them. That's why I tell them that. Right? And many of the parents here, you've, you're, you've been there, right? When you tell your kids, you can't eat eggs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You just can't. It's not because you hate them. It's not because you're tired of making eggs. It's because you just can't eat that, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or you tell them, you can't eat chocolate, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You just can't do that, right? Or sometimes you have to tell them, you can't eat rocks. You just can't eat rocks. You got to take that out of your mouth. Right? Just, this is all my personal experience with my kids. I'm telling you this, right? Hey, you need to go to sleep. Why? Because you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to be crazy cranky. And you're going to have a terrible day. You need to go to sleep. Sometimes I tell them, you can't run full speed with a blanket over your head. You just can't, right? <laughs> as funny as it be to see you just run right into the wall and fall down. You just can't. You just can't do that. It's not good for you. And so often God gives us commandments because he loves us. And yet we turn around and we say, God, this is too much to bear. This is too difficult. This is too hard. John would say, man, is the love of God really in you? Do you really know how much God loves you? And do you have a love back to him? D.L. Moody says every Bible should be bound with shoe leather. Each of our Bibles should be bound with us doing and walking in the truths of God's word. It's not enough to just have it as head knowledge. It's not just enough to have it on uh, who wants to be a millionaire and someone can call you about their Bible question. We need to walk in these truths. We need to be obedient to these truths. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 verse 30. And again, we should be reminded Satan, right, the devil, one of his nicknames is the father of lies. And so often when God gives us a command, when we're given a biblical truth of how our morals should be, how our family should be, the roles we should take as husband and wife or parents and children, we think, oh, this is too burdensome. This is too difficult. This is too hard. Right? They're just trying to keep you back from all the fun that you want to have. God, he's just, you know, he's just a fun vampire up there. He's just trying to suck the fun out of everything in life, right? Woe is me. We should be reminded, Matthew chapter 11 Verse 28, Jesus, he says here, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, every time that we're faced with the truth of God's word, we should be reminded of the character of Jesus Christ. He's lowly. He's gentle. He's humble. He's here trying to help us and give us rest for our souls. He's trying to take those burdens off of us and give us a burden that's easier and lighter. Again, that's the way we should approach God's words and God's commandments. Joe Fochi says, God doesn't want disobedience, but he also doesn't want reluctant or grudging obedience either. Right? Have you ever seen someone do that? You ask them to do it, and, Ugh, I guess I'll do that, right? They're just whining and complaining about it the whole time. Right? Nobody likes that. Again, to the parents, I don't know if you've ever asked your child something simple, right? You woke up early, you made them the chocolate milk, you warmed them the chocolate milk, they lie down on the sofa, right? They drink it. And they just throw it off the side of the sofa, right? And you just simply ask them, hey, can you pick up that bottle and put it in the sink? 
and they just go limp, right? They just go limp on the floor, and they just start crying. This is too hard. What are you talking about? I can't do that. It's too difficult. So often, that's how we treat the Lord. That's exactly how we treat God. He says, I love you. I sent my only begotten son to die for you, to give you, man, strength, to give you power over sin, to give you power over temptation, to give you heaven for all of eternity instead of hell. Hey, you got to forgive that brother. Oh, I can't do that, God. It's just too hard. I just can't do that, right? And we just go limp, and we just fall on the floor. His commandments towards us, they're not burdensome. And we should have a heart that we love him enough to be obedient to what he asks of us. I was talking with a friend of mine. He was mentioning that a couple weekends ago he spent some time with a friend working on a project. He's like, I don't really like that, but I like spending time with them, right? So that's why I went through it. It's like many of the husbands here, when your wife asks you, hey, you want to go to TJ Maxx with me, right? He's like, yeah, of course I want to go to TJ Maxx. That's exactly what I was thinking Sunday at 1 o'clock when the game starts. That's exactly what I was thinking, honey. That's exactly. I would love nothing more to do that, right? You don't tell her, go to, honey, you can just order it on Amazon. It'll get here in two days, right? You can pay 10 bucks more. It'll get here tomorrow. But no, because you love her and you want to spend time with her, and you go through it. So again, for us, may we not just seek God to save us from hell, but then all of what he says about gender and marriage and sex and family and purity, we just say, God, that, that's just too much of a burden. God, you don't know the U.S. of A. in 2021. God, you, you don't even know what you're talking about, right? But I trust you in what you say about heaven and hell. We need to trust him with all of it. Again, the more our view of God that is correct and true and biblical, the more we're going to love him. And the less of a burden it's going to be to obey him. The less of a burden it's going to be to take his word as true. In this, at the 9 o'clock, we read through Psalm 51. And David's in a point in his life where he gets everything he wants, everything he desires. He takes Bathsheba. He sleeps with her. He kills Uriah. He gets away with murder. He gets away with sleeping with her. And yet throughout Psalm 51, you see the pain and agony that he's in for a year. It says he has no joy he has no hope. He has no fellowship with God. He says he feels like his bones are broken inside of him. And yet we lie to ourselves saying, man, if I could only sin, then I would find pleasure. If I could only sin, then, then I would actually be happy. We need to be reminded God's word and God himself, he wants to give us that easy and light yoke. He wants to give us fellowship. He wants to give us peace. Satan, he wants to steal and kill and destroy we need to be mindful of that. Go to verse 4, back in 1 John chapter 5. And here in verse 4, he says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? He starts off in verse 4. For whatever, the true word there is whoever, whosoever, anyone that believes, anyone that is truly born of God is able to overcome the world. Again, family, if we are born again, we have power in and through Jesus Christ to overcome this world, to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, to overcome the pressures of the world around us. In John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, you can just write that down, Jesus He's talking to Nicodemus and he tells him, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
Again, each of us, we have to be born again. We have to become a new creation. The old things are gone, and now the new things have come. And now if we're walking in those new things, we have Christ in us, and we are able to overcome the world. What is the world? It's all that is opposed to keeping the commandments of God. Anything that comes that's trying to keep us from obeying God and obeying his word, in Christ Jesus, we have the power to overcome those things. It's anything that draws us away from God, whether it's this world, our own corrupt flesh, and even Satan himself. God has given us the power to overcome these things. Right? Do we hold true to that? How has our week been, right? Are we true, have we truly been overcomers? Or do we feel like we've just been steamrolled this whole last week when it comes to temptation and sin and this world? And what's the key to all of this? The same key that led to our salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we grow. That's how we become overcomers. It's trusting in Jesus Christ. Trusting in what his word says. Trusting in him. Then we have the power, the ability to overcome. Again, to believe in him. It's not just speaking words into the air. Charles Spurgeon, he says the word faith or believe does not merely mean to believe, but it's to trust, to confide in, to commit to, to entrust with, and so forth. The very marrow of the meaning of faith is confidence in and reliance upon. Family, where's your reliance? Where's your confidence? Where has it been this week? Is it in a political party? Is it in a certain congressman or presidential candidate? Is it in a certain number in your 401k? Is it a certain stock, a certain cryptocurrency, right? And that's where your strength is, your reliance is in? Or has it truly been in Jesus Christ? Has it been in his word? Is that where your reliance is on? Jesus, I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. I'm leaning into you and in your word. In 1 John 4, verse 4, right to the left, we're reminded why we are able to be overcomers. 1 John 4, verse 4. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Again, the beautiful thing is that the victory is already there. We don't have to fight for the victory. We're not clawing our way trying to get the victory. The victory is already there. Each of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ, we've already obtained this victory. Because we should have Jesus living in each and every one of us. And then we have that victory. You look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. And look how John talks about the young men, the fathers, here in, this, in these two verses. 1 John 2, verse 13 and 14 says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. 
Again, this is what God expects of us, is that because of Jesus Christ and what he's done, because we are born again, because we're a new creation, now we are able to overcome the wicked one just as Jesus did. Because when Jesus walked this earth, he was totally God and totally man. And he was able to overcome temptation. He was able to overcome sin. He was able to overcome Satan. And now he's living in each and every one of us. And now each of us should be those young men, right? Those young women here in 1 John 2 that are overcoming the wicked one. And if we're in a season where we're feeling especially weak or maybe you're feeling especially strong, man, take that verse 14 to heart that we are in God's word. God's word is abiding in us. That's what gives us more and more strength to overcome. As we walk and as we mature in our walk with Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to overcome more and more and more. David Guzik, he says, The life of abiding faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the life that overcomes the pressures and the temptations of this world. How are you dealing with the pressures of this world? The temptations of this world. Are you overcoming your coworkers, right, at the barbershop, at the salon, the things people are looking at, the things people are talking about? Are you able to overcome them? Those thoughts that fly by your mind, are you able to overcome them? Again, it's not because of our own hard work. It's not because we're naming and claiming it. It's not because we have some Christianese mantra. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has accomplished and not my works, I can overcome sin. I can overcome temptation by trusting in what he, his word says, by relying upon God. Not relying on my mouth, but relying on God and what he's already done. Let's go to John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. Here's one of those instances where Jesus says, hey, I got good news and I got bad news, right? John 16, verse 33. He tells us, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Again, Christ, he's already done it. He's already defeated Satan. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death itself. And now we simply need to just walk in those truths. Jesus has overcome the world and now he's living in each and every one of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, behold all things have become new. Doesn't matter your surroundings, doesn't matter your upbringing, doesn't matter your previous addictions or your previous relationships. The moment you come to Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. It's brand new. You've been transformed. So we don't have to be held down to that same standard that we used to live in or that we used to be in. Back in 1 John, in chapter 4, he has the same exact thought process in what we are capable of as believers. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another... God, he is abiding in us. God is dwelling in us. And his love has been perfected in us. 
By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now verse 16, take note. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. He's the overcomer. He's the conqueror. And as he is, so are we in this world. We have the power and the ability to overcome the world and the sin around us and the temptation around us. Now, right, people, they tend to take verses out of context. This is not talking about you trying to get that promotion at work and you're saying, I'm an overcomer, right? It's not you having not been in the gym for five years and then you're putting 315 and you're saying, I could bench press this because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Out of context. That's not what's going on here, right? Not at all. The proper context of sin, temptation, the world, what this world says you have to be like. The mold that the world is trying to squish you into. If we're saved, we are in Jesus and Jesus is living in us. So let us be the overcomers that God has called us to be. Let us not be trampled or put into the mold of this world or its temptations. We're in a sweet season as a church. There's so many little babies being born every week, every month. And I don't think any mom, any dad is holding the baby and saying, ah, I just can't wait for them to just get trampled by the world, right? When they grow up, they're just gonna, they're just gonna be a do-nothing, good-for-nothing little baby, right? I hope that's not the parents here. That's terrible, right? You hold them and say, oh, they're going to be a firefighter. They're going to be a police officer. They're going to change the world. They're going to be a doctor, a surgeon, all these things. And that's the same way that Christ sees us. He doesn't see us and say, ah, here's Zach. He's going to have no spine his whole life. He's not going to be able to stand up for anything. He's just going to fall and be overcome by the things of this world. That's not how the Lord sees us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Such a powerful chapter. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35 through 39. And again, the proper context. What does it look like to overcome the world, right? Are each of us going to become world conquerors and we're going to take over America and South America and continue our conquest? Is that what God's talking about? Not at all. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, we are conquerors not of the world around us, but of our own sin, of the world changing us and pushing us into its mold, no matter what's coming our way. It's not to make excuses for the tribulations we're in, the trials we're in, the situation we're in. We can say no to sin. 
We can say no to this world. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus, he tells to Peter, he says, On this I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see the church today. Look at the church in Afghanistan, the difficulties they're going through. The church in China, the difficulties they're going through. And yet these are the areas where the church is growing at the fastest rate. It's not here in America. Sadly, it's not here in Miami. Where's the church growing the fastest? It's in the areas where there's the most difficulty. And they're being conquerors. They're being overcomers. They're saying, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you take my life. I'm going to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Psalm 60 verse 12, it says, Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Again, all the power, it's in Jesus Christ. It's not in you. It's not in me. It's not in my, man, my mantras or my repeating certain things or naming it and claiming it. No, it's in Christ Jesus Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And here we'll close up. Worship team, if you get ready. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Again, family, our God, he always leads us in triumph in Christ, even through our difficulties. So again, may we be living lives of holiness. May we not be telling our kids, yeah, you can't do it. The world around us is just too hard. It's 2021. Of course you're going to fall into those things. Of course you're going to believe in those things. No, we are overcomers. May we be those who have a conviction full of joyful trust in who he is and in what he says. Do we have that joyful trust that we're excited and happy to say, you know what, Lord? Yes, I am an overcomer. My sons and daughters, yes, they are overcomers in Christ Jesus. That we would have that state of mind where we are certain of whatever Jesus believes and whatever Jesus says in his word is true. Is that who we are? Because we can be those overcomers that he's called us to be. We are more than conquerors. Again, what does this mean? Does this mean that God's going to bring America back to its former glory? Probably not. God's going to bring Cuba back to its former glory? Probably not. This is talking about our spiritual life. And our spiritual life is for all of eternity. That's what's for all of eternity. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Nothing. I was talking with, uh, you know, one of the brothers. They say, man, I'm kind of bummed out looking at the state of our nation and our world and everything that's going on. I go, man, you're bummed out. I got three kids. They're all seven years old and younger. Of course I'm bummed out too. But if Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they could get through it, my kids could get through it too. If Jeremiah could get through it, my kids could get through it too. Again, family, we were built, we were made for the day and age we live in. Stop allowing the enemy to lie to you, saying you have to look like the world. You have to be in the mold that the world is in. Worship team, you can come up. I read this in my devos, and I thought it was so true for today. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7, 
You have Jeremiah that's talking to Israel who is being taken over by an enemy country and nation. Babylon has come in and has completely decimated all of Israel and now has taken them as their slaves, taking them back to Babylon. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 7, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be able to increase there and not diminish. And seek peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. I know we're living in sad times. I know we're living in hard times. But it is nothing like Jeremiah and Israel and Babylon. Continue to get married. Continue to have kids. Continue to have your kids to get married and have kids. Right? Talk to any of the new grandparents here. They'll tell you that real quick, right? Man, we live in a good time. But may we be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Overcoming our sin. Overcoming our backgrounds. Overcoming our addictions. Overcoming the mold that the world is trying to squeeze you into. And that's for every husband here, every mom here, every wife here, and all the kids here. That we tell our kids, hey, you can get through this. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they didn't bow down to the idol. We know there are other Israelites there. So there are other young Israelite men. They bowed down to the idol and worship. But if they could get through it, hey, we could get through it too. So if the, wor- if the worship team, they're already up here. As the pastors, if they could come up, uh, we'll close in worship. Man, if you need to pray, perhaps you thought, yeah, I believe in God, but you're realizing, man, what I think belief means and what the Bible says belief means are two different things. Man, you can come up here and you can say, man, I want to believe. Even in Scripture, there's a man that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you. I want to put my confidence in you. But help me in the areas where I'm lacking. Maybe you're here and you just needed to be reminded, hey, you can overcome this world. We shouldn't be making excuses for the day and age we live in or our culture or our city or all the pressures around us. We are more than conquerors in him. So, man, come up front. We love, we love to pray with you. So, Lord, we just love you, God. And again, Lord, thank you for the way that you see us, Lord. Thank you for what your word says we're capable of, Lord, and who we are, Lord. And help each of us to be transformed, God, by the renewing of our mind. Help us to, Lord, have a greater hunger for your word, Lord, more than ever, God. Again, Lord, I think each of us, you saw the truth and the reality, God, even during the quarantine, we had so much extra time, God. I don't know how many of us, we spent hours alone in your word during that time, God. I pray more than ever we'd be growing in our reading of you, Lord, and our spending time with you, God. Lord, help us to trust in you more, Lord, to have more faith in you, God. To see the world falling apart around us, just reminding us that this world is not our home, God. And we continue to look for our home who's builder and maker. Lord, it's you. So, Lord, again, be with us. Be with every mom and dad here, Lord. The, the young people, the newlyweds, God, the young families here. Again, Lord, help us to be the overcomers that you've called us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's all stand. Again, if you need prayer, you can come up front. If not, we'll just close in worship.